So the plan of attack in terms of just, I like, I like kind of every Sunday we're saying, here's where we are and here's where we're going. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6 for a number of weeks until we hit Advent because we um, are very passionate about following the church calendar. Um, we want to humble ourselves to the great tradition of the church. And so the, the, over the years, the church has said these key moments in the life of Jesus that we're going to look at every year. We're just going to cycle through and say Advent leads us up into Christmas, the incarnation that God came in the flesh. So we're going to kick into that. Our first Sunday of Advent is actually going to be at the Yumi Peace Festival in Marainui. Uh, so we're going to have an outdoor service, and that's going to be our first uh, Sunday of Advent. And then uh, we'll continue through to Christmas. And those of you that are on our Bay Vineyard uh, community page would have seen the shout-out that Charlotte gave uh, to have um, materials for our children, to have a little Christmas production uh, at, our, I think, our last service of the year on the 23rd of December. So that's going to be Captain Cuke. I have no idea whether it'll be theologically accurate, but it'll be very cute on that Sunday. So uh, I'm sure baby sharks were involved in the manger somewhere, but anyway, it's... Um, we're gonna, it's going to be lots of fun. So that's kind of the plan of attack. So we're going to work our way through Matthew chapter 6. So let's, uh, let me read the passage today, and then we'll, um, um, I will give you a little bit of catch-up in terms of how this fits in the context of Matthew chapter 5. So this is what we're going to look at today. This passage here from uh, verse 1 of chapter 6. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. (coughs) I'm not feeling convicted. I've actually got a a little something in my throat. (coughs) In Jesus' name. Um, Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. That's the text we're going to look at today. But it's in the context of Matthew chapter 5. Thanks, Joe. The Sermon on the Mount's like Jesus' big teaching on what does it look like to follow his way. And uh, one of uh, the commentaries that I'm reading is actually called The Sermon on the Mount and Human Flourishing, which is a lovely title because Jesus stands before his disciples and he's like, this is God in the flesh saying, here's what it looks like to be part of my kingdom and to follow my way. And it's just not what anyone expects. It's totally countercultural. Dallas Willard's written a great book called The Divine Conspiracy, exploring the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to quote him today because it's like, it's this divine conspiracy to turn the evil systemic powers of the world upside down and to make the kingdom of God come to earth through his people, and that happens in the most surprising way. It's not by power. It's not by force. It's not through arrogant leadership. The kingdom of God comes, initially he talks about the Beatitudes, the people that are blessed, and it's the people that are filled with mercy. It's the people who carry peace. It's those who hunger and thirst for justice, who have moved beyond just caring for themselves, but who look at our world and society and say, it's got to change. That is wrong that that happens. And so there's this whole kind of uh, movement that God speaks to. And then he talks about, uh, the, he uses all these different examples like murder and lust and, and what do you do when an enemy comes and, and attacks you. And to, he talks about what does it look like in these different examples as case studies to outwork the radical way of Jesus. And 
It is just the radical way. It's not the way, again, of retaliating with violence. Uh, It's not the way of even just a base moral that says, well, even though I haven't slept with her, you know, I'm therefore I must be moral. Jesus is like, no, he wants us to have holy hearts, righteous hearts, so that even the inside is clean, not just the base moral level, right? Now, that's only a work by his spirit, but that's the sort of life he's inviting us into. His, his message of nonviolence in a very violent culture is like, how does that even work? But it's because it's the way of God, the way of love. And it does work. It does work. I mean, there is, uh, I'm about to do this in our, uh, and actually as part of one of my assignments for um, our uh, Māori course, is uh, I've been looking at Parihaka and what happened in Taranaki uh, at Parihaka. Now there are also, um, and we'll probably have to do some sermons on this because it's part of our story, it's incredible. Um, but there's all sorts of stuff that's gone down in New Zealand in terms of violence and violent returning violence and that cycle of violence when nothing changes apart from more you know, generational pain and woundedness. In Parihaka, there was non-violent resistance and they got taken to the cleaners because that's what happens when the powerful come. And even though uh, they blessed them and sent the children out to give the soldiers gifts and even though they didn't retaliate and, and they weren't just a doormat, they actually um, they sung songs and they wouldn't move and they just were, no, were here. But here's the thing. We're still talking about Parihaka and all those and many other situations we're not talking about. Why? Because that non-violent resistance exposes the foul brutality of the violence that was, was thrust upon it. That's the only way violence gets exposed, when people follow the radical way of Jesus. And Tafiti and those guys followed the way of Jesus and this non-violent resistance. And it, and it just exposed the ugliness of the violence in a way that returning violence with violence just simply doesn't do. And it, it, it gets underneath the systemic brokenness and undermines it and exposes it. It's radical, the way of Jesus. Like, don't think for a second following Jesus is some namby-pamby, like, doormat scenario. The non-violent way is the most radical way you could probably live. And I know in New Zealand we don't have to worry too much about the mongrel mob beating us up because we're Christians. That's why I'm pleased to have got a few ex-members in the church, actually, because if that did happen, you'd have a quiet chat to the boys and we'd be sorted anyway. But it's like, so thanks, guys. Glad you're here. Uh, but it's, they're not going to do that. We, you can be a Christian in New Zealand and it's sweet. But the still is we've got to continue to wrestle with what does this radical way of Jesus look like? And Matthew chapter 5 begins to, to put a whole lot of stuff on our radar about how we follow this radical way of Jesus. Uh, and it is the most rich life you could live. It is indeed where you flourish, but it's deeply challenging because <laughs> a whole lot of me that needs to die on a cross with Jesus for that to actually happen, for me to discover that resurrection life that's just more beautiful than you could ever imagine. The key verse in Matthew chapter 5, I think that helps us understand this is, is when Jesus says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness or your, good, your, like, your behavior, the way you live, exceeds that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Like that's, the big, that's a big hinge verse. And as I explained when we're talking through this last time, but I want to repeat it, if you read that the way that we've been trained to read the word heaven, you're going to misinterpret all of the Sermon on the Mount. 
Because when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, he is not talking about a disembodied soul that one day goes to be with him in paradise. As much as I believe in that is stage one, which is good. Stage two is physical resurrection. Hallelujah. Uh, but Jesus isn't talking about that right here. He's talking about the heaven breaking into earth now. So kingdom of heaven now. Like heaven breaking in. Like as we worshipped, it was like, oh, this is like heaven. You know, baptism service, this is like heaven. You get into a small group where you're, you know, and, and, and people start sharing vulnerably and start, and it's like, this feels like heaven. You know, and then you, you go and help someone that's struggling and you're there for them. And it's like these little bits of heaven are breaking in. What we, the te- every testimony I heard last Sunday, heaven, breaking into the present. Just beautiful. And this is what Jesus is talking about in the sermon. How, how does your righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees when they're smashing it? They're just like, all perfect. This is how when your heart gets transformed. And it's not just your behaviours that are like, oh, look how good a Christian I am. It's when something so deep has happened in your heart that you're totally transformed. And you're willing to follow Jesus wherever he calls you, even if it's radically countercultural and may cost you everything. But you find true life in that place. That's what he's saying in that moment. So in chapter 6, the context continues to be this greater righteousness that Jesus has introduced in that previous chapter. Um, freaked out, I thought it was mine, but it's all good. Uh, when your heart is, here we go. So Dallas Willard says this, Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 alerts us to the two main things that will block or hinder a life constantly interactive with God and healthy growth of the kingdom. These are the desire to have the approval of others, especially for being devout, and the desire to secure ourselves by means of material wealth. Oh, man. Jesus, really? Like, we've all had pretty tough weeks, mate. You know, like, I really don't need to be kicked up the butt in terms of the fact, you know, uh, I want to look good in front of you guys, and I'd like to have some dollars in the bank so I could just know that, you know, things are all sorted, right? But he's like, no. Like, they're just gods. And he talks about this. Later on, we're going to explore this in a minute, uh, in, a, in a minute, in a couple of Sundays. But there is this desire in all of us to like not do it for the right motives. And Matthew chapter six is really all about our motives. Like, what's our motives for giving, for praying, for fasting, all of these things? And so it's like, what are your motives? And so like, Jesus is hardcore like this. He doesn't let us get away with like just a, like kind of looking good. Because, like, you know how we love beating up the Pharisees? Like, everyone, like, here's the thing. The minute you don't think you're a Pharisee, you probably are a Pharisee. That's the trick that Jesus always gets you. You're like, I'm glad I'm not like those Pharisees. Look at those Pharisees. It's like proud Pharisee statement comes out about the Pharisees, right? So we're always thinking we're not Pharisees. And Jesus is constantly going, yeah, kind of, you kind of are. Uh, Because we all want to look good in front of other people. When God really just wants us passionate about looking good in front of him. And so uh, you've got to, you've got to hear me here this morning because I'm not saying you can't worship passionately in church because everyone's going to think you're Pharisee. Oh, look, you know. It's like, of course not. And Jesus isn't saying this either. But he's like, he's saying, I see your heart. And you know, in my early years of following Jesus, there were many times I think that I'd turn up to a church service or especially a camp. And I would just go so hardcore for Jesus at camp. 
you know, like normally the first session I had to repent a whole lot. And then I'd be all like, oh, I love you, G. All right, I'm all in again. And then I'd just go so hard for God. You know, I'm just all up the front going hard. And then it just didn't translate to my week to week nine times out of ten. And this is why I'm very grateful for the grace and mercy of God. Because he's good. He doesn't give up on us. He keeps pursuing us in the midst of our unfaithfulness. He keeps pursuing us. But then uh, what starts to happen is that there's this little bit that starts getting more faithful in you. And this is why, again, I think Jesus is more passionate about faithfulness than anything else. Just hang in there with me. Walk by faith, not by sight. Sometimes you guys might, some of you might be in this season right now. Your emotions and your senses aren't with you, but you're going to choose to follow the way of Jesus anyway. That's walking by faith, not by sight. And the other times, my emotions and senses are right there with me. Thank you, Lord. They're a gift from him. We aren't Gnostic or or Platonic in terms of going, that's evil and and my soul's good. No, it's all his good creation. And he himself was a person filled with emotion. They're his gift. And so lots of the time, my emotions are with me. And that's awesome. But regardless, I want to follow the way of Jesus. I want to be faithful to him. And so this is where Jesus is kind of pointing to is... Uh, this, like, he wants the real deal from us, not the kind of like, I'm all Christian. <laughs> now, here's the good news, is that the church is in a place where if you turn up to a Sunday, you're like a faithful remnant. <laughs> it's not like we've got, like, you go to church because that's the cultural thing to do. That used to be the case in New Zealand and many other countries. Now if you turn up to church on a Sunday, as far as I'm concerned, you're a hardcore Christian. You're all in, right? Because it's like, well, you don't, no one's impressed about the fact there's no one at your office that's going, oh, it's good you went to church. It's the opposite, okay? So good on you. Chances are you're just this faithful remnant that's the real deal. And so God wants to encourage you today. In this passage, he gives a couple of examples, giving, prayer, and fasting. And he says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others. Uh, If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Again, this isn't like to be taken totally literally because Jesus is employing, uh, rabbis all did this all the time. They'll exaggerate hardcore to make a point. So he's not saying you can't, no one can ever see you give anything as we pass the buckets around. Jesus himself, um, uh, he, he went to the temple and he participated in the public feast. He praised the widow that he saw put in her last little bit. And so he's not, as again, he's trying to talk about the heart. Um, Jonathan Pennington, uh, who wrote that uh, commentary, uh, The Sermon on the Mountain, Human Flourishing, said this. There is the ever-present temptation to be righteous so that others will see it and think well of the doer. Jesus is not condemning here the public practicing of righteous behavior as if only secret anonymous acts can be righteous. Rather, he is warning against righteous behavior that has a wrong heart motive, the praise of others rather than the praise of God. So he's just, again, that the heart of God is he wants a purity and relationship with you. And you have free will, which means you can choose that, which is true love. That's why we have free will. It's amazing. The reality is that God could turn up in all of his glory right now and choice would be taken off the table because you just would have to respond because of his holiness and glory. He kind of, it's like veiled. That's why Paul says we, we see through, it's like a veil, it's like a mirror dimly. Back then mirrors weren't polished like ours. That's kind of how we see God now because then there's this choice where I love you, I choose you. In the midst of all the other choices, I choose you. That is love. 
So we have this moment right now when we can love him. And that's what God's desire is. But the temptation in any religious gathering is that we can have a motivation to be seen by others. So how do you know if you've got a motivation problem? Here's a couple of, uh, here's a couple of ways of testing where your heart's at. Number one, you grumble internally or maybe even externally if, you're, if you aren't noticed in terms of what you do. Um, you, you have, you're envious or jealous of somebody who gets the credit, like the packing team today. Uh, there's this irritation or, um, or your emotions get a bit out of whack when you don't get what you wish for. Um, or you, you're doing stuff, but you're only really doing it if other people are seeing it. Like those sort of things. And now I know that the, those filters are pretty big, but it's like those are the things that often, it's like that, that check of your heart, the motivation. Now, uh, that is the stuff of Pharisees. And God wants us to be free from living that sort of life where we're like, I have to please other people. And he wants to set us free from that. And that's such a good feeling when he set us free. It's such a good feeling. Let's unpack this a little bit more. He says this, when you give, so he's talking about giving especially to the poor at this particular moment, but I want to just stop there. It's not if you give. Now, everyone's freaking out. Oh, no, he's the pastor talking about money. Here we go. We're not talking about the church. Jesus is talking about when you give to the needy, to the poor, to those that are hurting and suffering in our world. The expectation of God is that as followers of Jesus, you will give to those that are hurting. That you'll, get, you'll have your little tear fun kids or whatever it will be. That we will be people who are generous to those that are needy around us and around our world. When you give, not if you give. There's this under, why? Because he's the ultimate giver, Jesus. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Like he gave what is most precious to him in his nature. But you know, why does God want his people to be generous to the needy? Because he loves them and his heart breaks with what they go through. And what God longs for is, a, is the people of God to rise up and to pour out their lives to be a blessing to others. That was the covenant that got made with Abraham in Genesis 12. You are blessed to bless others. And that continues to be the covenant that God wants us to walk in, that we are blessed in every way, talents, money, time, and all the rest of it, and we live in such a way that's a blessing to others. That's the way of Jesus. We use our gifts, our skills, everything we have to bless, to serve, to lift up the needy, to get alongside the poor, and, and God hates poverty. There's just nothing cool about it. It's unjust, it's broken, it's foul. In our culture especially, like, it's t by the time you pay rent, what else have you got? You know, it is so hard for people to just make ends meet in the lower socioeconomic world of New Zealand. We as the church are going to do everything we can over however long the life that Bay Vineyard has to lift people out of that place. We are going to go and give to the needy. It's not if we should, it's, it's we're going to. We are going to. And what Jesus wants to make sure is that our motives are in the right place, how we give. So we're not going to be like, hey, Mr. Councilman and Mr. Mayor, look at us, we're so good. No, we're going to keep it on the down low. When we uh, did Bless the Bay, um, 
we went out and we did, you know, we cleaned up stuff and we did, we did Sunday, we just did serving projects and intentionally we didn't put that on Facebook apart from our private pages. We celebrated one another. Good on you, it was good. We did the Jesus thing, but we, we weren't trying to do it to get recognition from the rest of society because that's what Jesus followers should just do. We don't need to toot our horns like Jesus is saying, blow the trumpets every time we do something to tell, no, we're going to just get, humbly serve for an audience of one to bless him, to follow him, to follow his way. And then he says this, and, and he will reward you. If you do it to, to be, you know, show everyone how good you are, that is your reward. And you can get that reward. That's fine. Like, it feels good when you're like, oh, look, I'm such a philanthropist and I'm such a brother Teresa, you know, look at me. And, you know, and deep, you know, you may externally try and look humble and all the rest of it. God knows your heart, you know. So it's like, fine, you can have that reward, that little buzz. But if you choose to follow this narrow way of Jesus, there is a reward. And we don't talk about rewards much because um, we, we, you know, chances are we think, oh, reward, yeah, is our money reward from God? You know, immediately we jump into consumerism. Ooh, you know, and pastors have done that tragically, you know, give, you know, and you'll get 10 times back or something. And it's like, no, it's not lotto. It's like, you know, but it's like, no, it's the way of Jesus. The way that you, you get a reward is your soul gets transformed. Your character gets shaped to be more like Jesus. And that feels like freedom. The more you follow Jesus, you feel it feels free in your soul because you're not chained to the consumerism and to, you know, again, the, you've got to choose the red pill or the blue pill at some point. We've got the photo, I think, please, Lord, yes. You've got to choose this at some point. Either you're going to believe the adverts and consumerism and corporations or you're going to believe Jesus. And when you believe Jesus, you take the red pill or whatever the right one is, the red pill, blood of Jesus, there we go, take the red pill and it's like, and, you, and your eyes are open increasingly to see the hoax that all of that stuff is. It does not make you more happy. It just doesn't. We know that because we've bought enough phones to know that it doesn't make us happy. Even if you have the latest model, the buzz lasts just such a short time. What is the reward is when you just feel so good in your soul because you're living the way of Jesus that's just living to bless others. And it's just so free. And you can start, now nothing wrong with having some toys and, you know, I've got an electric skateboard. I really like it. I blat around, you know, the bay all the time on there. And it's like, primo, nothing wrong with some toys and stuff, but it's like they don't define us. They're not our idols. They're not our goal. The way of Jesus is our goal. We want to follow him. So I want to encourage us today to be really generous uh, and to do it because we want to become more like Jesus. And we want to do it for an audience of one. Now, this text says nothing about the church. And so I'm, uh, I'm going to say something about the church, because <laughs> uh, I have to, because no, no, I've got it out front, this text is, I'd love to twist it and turn it into, you know, you should give a whole lot more to the church, um, but no, I will take this opportunity though, <clears throat> as the pastor and as the microphone holder, to say this, we are now a registered charity at Bay Vineyard Church, so we're, we're very mature, um, if you're wondering how it's been working so far, we've, our national movement has had an account that you've been giving to, and that's a charity as well, so you get your tax back and all of that sort of thing. We now have our own account that's a charity account, and so we're going to hand out the Bay Vineyard bank account number, because um, this is a, it just dovetails perfectly. I was like, yay, I'm going to tell everyone about the new bank account number when Jesus talks about money. Okay, sure, whatever. So let's pass those around. So if you are giving, no, no, when you give to church... <laughs> Um, can you please change it to this bank account number? And your tax receipt at the end of the financial year 
A bunch of it will be from the National Vineyard and the rest of it will be from Bay Vineyard accounts. So you'll have two bits of paper to claim. Does that make sense? Um, please do that sooner rather than later. We're going to have to change all our envelopes, Karen, um, but that's all good. And uh, that will be great. And then we'll start chasing people up, okay? Now, if you don't give to the church, can I encourage you to, to pray about it? Come to the Big Picture course if you want my theology on giving. I'm not a big one on 10%. I think some of you should be giving more than that. Honestly, no, seriously, some of you guys are good at making money and 10%. Some of you guys should be giving 0.2%. Just start something regular to, to help the church tick along. Um, and if you don't give, it's fine. But the reality is that other people then are covering the cost for you and you have to make peace with that. I don't want you thinking, plead in ignorance on that. I don't care if it's five bucks. I don't follow any of this stuff. I don't, you know, we don't have a Koru lounge for gold premium you know, givers or whatever. It's between you and God. But here's the dream that we flourish and that we don't have to like drop days a week for our staff or any of those staff, but that we can be really generous, okay? So that's just that to the side. Um, the, the outworking today, though, is this. I want us to have like a practical way of responding to what Jesus is saying here. So what I'd like us to do today is we're going to take up a special offering this Sunday and the following, and we're going to give all of that to the organisers of the Yumi Peace Festival in Marae Nui. And so we, uh, if you missed our sermon last Sunday, uh, two Sundays ago, sorry, I'd love you to listen to it because it shares what I think God's calling us to and our team think God is calling us to as a church. And part of that is we think we're 90% sure that God's calling us long term to be servants to that wonderful community. Just love it. Serve it, do whatever we can to, to just bring it up a click. So that's our dream. So as part of that, we're going to partner with the community there and have our outdoor church service on the 3rd of December in, uh, at the Yumi Peace Festival. And, but they run that off the smell of an oily rag. Like it is, uh, I mean, it's, it's 5,000 bucks, I think, something, Bruce. Like they're running a whole com three-day community festival for $5,000. So like the community just come together to make, so every dollar that we could give would just be a blessing. So what I thought would be real cool is for us just to take up an offering. Now, the reason we're going to also do it next week is some of you may want to talk with your significant other or whatever. So there's, and there's no pressure. Honestly, guys, again, it's an audience of one. And, but even if it's a couple of bucks, if everyone, this is, some people don't give anything to either to church or to whatever because they think my two bucks doesn't matter. Now, if 100 people don't give two bucks, that's 200 bucks that doesn't happen. Right? So if everyone gives the two bucks, I would just be over the moon to give $200 to the, the guys. That would mean a lot to them as well. It would be huge. And some of you may want to be more generous than that if you want to. Is that because there's no pressure? Yeah. Hear me? Nothing. And it isn't benefiting us, and we'll do, we're going to try not to left, left hand. We'll probably get Bruce to work out a sneaky way of getting it to them so it's not a big deal about Bay Vineyard doing it and all that, just to be a blessing. Is that cool? But I thought it'd be really nice to do something corporately out of this thing of let's follow the way of Jesus and be generous uh, and to, to those that are needy and, and whatnot, not to toot our own horn, but to humbly come and just be generous and to give. Is that all good? Awesome. Okay, let me pray. Let me pray. Let's stay seated as we pray. You want. Lord, uh, as we look at the Sermon on the Mount and as we continue to explore it, it's really challenging. We just acknowledge that. But I kind of like that as well, Jesus, that you, you're, just, you're challenging and you take us on an adventure. And so I thank you, Lord, that in you is a reward when we choose to live your way. It's the most beautiful life we could live.
And I thank you that we can trust you with this area of our finances. Like I know it's a real big one, it's a hard one for us, Lord, but thank you that we can because you are a good Father who, who provides for us. And we've seen that, we can give testament to that as a family. As we've moved up here, we've just seen your incredible provision. And so, Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. Help us to trust in you. And, Lord, thank you that you have a heart for the needy and the broken, that you desire to see our society flourish, that the kingdom of God would break in more and more and more. And so, Lord Jesus, help us to partner with you in the renewal of all things, to serve places like Marainui and to allow you into our hearts and into the broken places of our lives and to allow you to bring life and wholeness and healing. And just like you did with Yoka, that you'd bring healing to our hearts and that you'd set us free to live your way, the most beautiful way that sees us flourish. And so we bless you, Lord. We thank you for your challenging words, but we just we resonate deeply with the sense that this feels like life to follow your beautiful, generous example. So help us to live like that, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>